And greetings, 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 and welcome back to another week at Soul Citizens. I am Griffin Gaming RPG, and I'm here once again with uh, some very cool friends of mine. One of them you guys see every week, and one you've seen before. Uh, we have a special guest joining us today for our topic of From Concept to Reality. Uh, before we start talking about the topic, I definitely want to introduce our first guest here on the far, what are you, on the far left over there, Doc Murray? <laughs> On the far left, <laughs> on the far right. It. I don't know. You're on my I left. I look at it right. and say that I'm on the right. Okay, you're on the right. I'm on. You're right. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I'm stage oriented. <laughs> you guys, welcome back, Dr. Murray. How are you, Dr. Murray? I'm all right. How is everyone doing here? Good, good, good. A Sunday. This isn't a Wednesday. This is a Sunday for you, right? I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're glad to have I'm you weird. back. Yeah, that's great. I think last time you were here, we were talking about Stanton and uh, talking about the system and everything, and you shared some cool stuff with us. So hopefully yep. we'll tap into that big brain of yours again today. And speaking of big brains, we have the man himself in the middle there, Fast Cart FC. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How's everybody else? How are you doing, Griffin? Are you covered from last night? Yeah, well, I didn't. Yesterday wasn't, there was no work in that, to be honest with you. You know what? And I'm so okay. glad you said that because... I need to make sure that I put the pictures in because I was editing for client work and forgot to put the pictures in today. So I have to do that while we're watching videos. Uh, but yeah, okay. we had we had our uh, Chicago Bar Citizen yesterday and had a really, really good time. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us. Everybody who's here, I see some familiar folks here. Blank Manx and M Dr. Murray, he's, he's here. Uh, who else is here? Pops and Space is here. G Sharp is here, 07 to you. Thank you guys so much for spending some time with us on a Sunday. Um, Doc, we picked this subject because it's, um, you know, we're, we're going into 10 years since the announcement of Star Citizen and you've been around long enough, Fast Cart's been around long enough, I've been around long enough to see uh, all the different processes of how ships that become a really cool picture ultimately become for the most part, an even cooler spaceship. Shipwreck, thank you for kicking us Shipwreck, off for the month you. of June with that resub. We appreciate you. And uh, yeah, so does Whammer for that matter. So thank hey, you. Thanks for the subscription. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, but we've seen this. And, and Doc Murray, you were making a comment earlier about the pictures that we have up there in our, <laughs> our artwork, right? Tell everybody what you yeah. said about the beloved M50. <laughs> Oh, first, I'll say that in six days, it'll be my uh, eighth year anniversary of Star Awesome. Uh, awesome. Um, I've been here the whole time. You got to put a plaque a on the wall or something, man, so you can just, yeah. you know. <laughs> I remember no, way no, back. No, no, he, no, he, he, he used to wear a clock like Flavor Flav like yeah. back in the day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, back in the day. Back in 2946. <laughs> go back. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. All I said was that M50. I'm so glad they didn't pick that one. Yeah, yeah. It's a definitely a different look. But you know what? Someone pointed this out the other day. They said that they saw little remnants of that Misk uh, Razor uh, in there yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, can see it. Yeah, and even though we're not going to be, guys, we're really going to be focusing in on ships, even though there's a whole lot we could talk about in relation to concept from locations to creatures to everything. That would just be too much of a show. So since ships is kind of like the big popular thing that folks, you know, always talk about, we're going to focus in on that. So I'm going to skip that Van Duel in the middle, but I will talk about that ship on the end. I think, Cascart, you commented about that on yesterday. Uh, the Carrick. 
the beloved uh, carrot. Like the carrot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I barely recognize it. Yeah, I, it's a big ship. I can tell that much. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it it definitely has a different look, and it was one person who designed the concept, and later on, some other people took it and took it to another level. But we'll get to the carrot when we get to it, because that's that is one of the ships that we're going to be talking oh, about. Can I say one thing about sure. that, about that, that intro video that you just showed? I want to say yeah. all the MFDs. Oh, thank you, um, <laughs> Bambino, for this for the description. Mm -hmm. All the N MFDs, more MFDs. We need more MFDs. MFDs, yeah, back. we do. Yeah. Well, and actually, <laughs> that's what I was saying about the Scorpius the other day too. I was like, mm -hmm. the Scorpius has two MFDs for the pilot. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, what, what now, happened there? Now that you mentioned that opening video, let's go back and talk about why we showed it. We showed it because the original part, the first half of that video was the original concept video that Chris Roberts presented. Uh, we saw it at GDC that gave people an idea of what his vision would be. Later, the other half of that video shows, well, the opening shot was the bingle, right? Well, later we see the bingle in its final form, which looks reminiscent, but definitely, right, Doc? It's got some differences in it from that original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> original design. And I, I just want to bring up one thing that that, that, that video, video is when Chris Roberts himself said he's making the game for himself. He's not making it for uh, anyone else. He's just making it for himself. Ah, uh, selfish, uh, selfish man. The selfish man that he is. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's when he, you're right. That's when he asked us to come along for the ride. And so um, what we're going to do is cover some ships later on. We're going to talk about some of the more pop, some of the popular, well-known ships in the game uh, that started out real early and talking about the concept differences and changes. And we'll, we're just going to note it. And then we're also going to talk about the more recent ships and seeing how quickly the design languages are. They're, they're much closer to concept art now. We're in the beginning. Man, some ships, uh, they look totally different than, I mean, they still yeah. remind you of it, but yeah. Uh, you know, one of the ones, Doc Murray, I'm thinking about is that, remember that original concept art for the Banu where you couldn't tell what was the front or the back of that thing? Where it you was just sitting up in space? Was. Nah, no, that no, thing, man. No. Nah, if no. you stared at it for a few minutes, you might have figured it out. But at first it was like, what is that? It's just like I some- I am a Merkman lover. Griffin showed me that picture. I'm like, it's, yeah, 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 no. yeah. Look at it's the one. It's the one behind the fast cart. Look at that thing. No, that's, not it. that's, no, not that's it. the one that's I'm talking it. about. Scoot over a little bit. Show that one for a second. <laughs> that thing, man. Which way is front on that thing, it's man? Front. That one's flying away I'm from us. That's that, the BMW that thing. Fly. The front of that ship is on the right side. That is the right side of that ship is the front. And it took me forever to figure out that that was the right side. I couldn't tell if it was coming toward us, away from no, whatever. That, the case that, that's an older concept model that's even worse. Oh yeah, there is. Oh, there yeah. is. Yeah, yeah there are. And that's what I'm talking about. I, yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah All right, there well, are a bunch of them where it's very ambiguous if it's the front or the back, and you're like, well. Absolutely, absolutely. Zombie Pig, good to uh, see even you. Radagast, good to see you. Yes. Even the, even the developer didn't know. Yeah, what the yeah. heck is this thing supposed to be, right? I know, it's kind of weird. And when we asked about it, they were like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. Okay, well, listen, we're going to jump into this. Now, again, we have a small cast today because mostly because we're going to be looking at video. So you guys don't have anything to drink or anything. I highly suggest you get some snacks and drink for this because even though we're going to talk, probably the first half of the show is going to be a lot of us just kind of watching some things that CIG has put out. Now, some of these videos may be videos that you all may remember, but it's been a while since we've seen this. But again, the title today going from concept to reality is where we're picking up at. So this first video that we're going to watch is watching how, how um, ships move from the concept stage to gray box. We're going to take a break from that, talk about that a little bit. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how do they move from gray box to flight ready. And then we're going to give some cool examples for you guys to take a look at. 
So yeah, let's go ahead and kick that off and get you guys started. Thrakazogs, as always, thank you. Thank you for that follow from hey, Whammer. We appreciate that. And uh, yeah, let's kick it off. Here we go. Let's see this. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Before we do that, <clears throat> I got to do some reminiscing here. Uh, Doc oh. Murray, I think you will recognize this. Fast Cart, you may recognize it. Doc Murray, I'm going to tap into your knowledge because there's a ship in this video that I never knew the name of. And I always want to ask somebody, and most people I know would not know what the name of this ship is, but it shows up in Chris Roberts in two of his videos. It shows up in this early concept video, and then it also shows up on the Bingo early concept video. So if you know the what little, the- The little shell looking one? Yes! The red and- Yes! It doesn't have a name as far as I know. It was a scout. Uh, oh, but it was a scout ship. I think that's all it was referred to as a, a scout. Because uh, the it's the forefather of the of the cartwall, right? Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, okay. But it, it's what it actually is. Is there are people who design spaceships and then sell them mm -hmm. and things like that? And it's one of those. It was a pre-bought asset that they bought uh, and put it in there, so it looked like they have different kinds of ships because all uh, they had at the time was the Hornet. Okay. All right, well, you all check this out. Check this video out. There's not any audio, so just be, be aware of that. But I want you all to see this and uh, see what you think of it. So let me, let me I got to change camera. Actually, I got to put, put us in the other studio. So we got to go here to look at this, okay? So let's look at this first video here. And uh, some of you have seen this before, maybe. This is early. It says at the top, concept art and player 3D environment. And the ship we're talking about is oh. that one on the bottom. And yeah. this was our corp, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, just so you guys, I so. yeah, you guys will get an idea of this is early, early stuff, right? But again, yeah. this is the stuff that uh, we were sold on back in the day. Okay, yeah, I can see the scout in that. Mm -hmm. They're the same color at least. That's about it. And the <laughs> yeah. circle of design. Yeah, but we found that asset. We found that asset for sale and we're like, ah. Oh. Uh, there's the fog to avoid detail down below, which is cool. Yep. <laughs> there is a hornet there on the deck early, early, early when it had the old grills and the radiator in the front. Mm. It yep. almost looked like a. The fans. Look like, look like, that almost reminded me of a Decepticon almost. <laughs> With the CPU grilled. fans. Yeah, the CPU fans. <laughs> but this gives you an idea of how stuff started out. Now, it ain't Earth Colossal. That's that's our corp. Trust me. They This is <laughs> what they were preliminary. Now, there was some people who used to think it was Terra. But when they there was an interior of this building as well. And when you went inside, some of those same things that we had in that original Area 18 popped up in this video, too. So that's the only reason so why is, so, it was the precursor to our. So what is that below? What is that below the Hornet now? That looked like a precursor to the Freelancer almost. Yeah, uh, I don't know what that's supposed to be. I think that's another pre-purchased asset. Yeah, I don't know what the heck that is. That's a good question, man. That's a good question. Okay, yeah, but I that don't was know what that one is. Yeah, that was just to give you an idea of how things looked in the rough, you know, in the early early days, so you guys would, uh, what you guys could see and how things are now. So let's go ahead and jump into this first video. As I said, if you want to get something to drink, do it. Uh, but we're going to pop into it right here. Here we go. Hi, my name is Luke Davis. I am the producer here at Foundry 42. I look after the ship, environment, and UK tech design departments. Here at CRG, the ship pipeline has seen a remarkable evolution. Before I got here at Foundry 42, we were still outsourcing 
um, ship assets to various companies to uh, finish the artwork that we didn't have the capacity to do um, in-house at the time. And it proved that we had, there were very various issues that came along with outsourcing um, an art asset. One of the biggest issues was the, the communication breakdown between the various departments. Um, so whereas now we have the absolute luxury of being able to have um, various departments and disciplines within the same studio, specifically the, the art director, the art team, and the um, tech design team all in the same building. Whereas previously what we had was a tech design department in Los Angeles. We had a art team here in the UK and we used to outsource um, ships for concept and um, the 3D assets. Um, to another company. Um, what we now have now is an official design document that our tech design team, both in LA and um, the UK, um, sign off on and sort of go, right, this is how many thrusters it should have. This is the exact animation template it has to use. And this is what weapons it should be using and sort of give an idea on roughly what the ship needs. It's minimum requirements, not to define the shape or you know how it should work. It's just what should be in it. One thing I really like about uh, the process here at, um, at Star Citizen is that they kick you off with, um, with a 3D kind of cheat sheet of volumes saying, we need engine size to be roughly th this particular uh, cube. We need a, a gun to be this size. They, they want to make sure that as you start thinking about it, you're kind of aware of what the, um, what the different shapes are and what the different proportions are. And that really helps me out because when I start a design, after I've looked at um, reference and the past ships and thought about myself on course design-wise, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna begin with a sketch pass. And that's my thinking pass. You know, when I have a pencil in my hand and I have paper in front of me and I'm just noodling and drawing, that's when I'm really getting my head around what I want the design to be or how it should balance or, or what the proportions could be. And so in, in my first physical pass with the, um, with the Buccaneer, I did a kind of big cheat sheet that was basically uh, kind of pared down to the most simple components. Engines, cockpit, guns, wings, you know, let's move stuff around and um, let's kind of see if we can get a feel for it. So one of the challenges of the ship being in the concept phase is not just to make um, a pretty ship, it's to make sure that it works for what we want in the game. So you know, you, you'll take what design wants, what Chris originally um, envisioned for the ship, and try and turn it into some sort of image. What tends to happen when we get a concept into production is we're handed a series of images that have been finalized, final paint overs, um, and just beautiful illustrations. In addition to that, we also tend to get a concept model, which is what the artist used to paint over and do his final renders. To actually make that usable, we tend to have to rebuild that model. Uh, we can't just, I mean, we can technically take that and put it directly into the game, but it would be very expensive um, because the concept models tend to not worry about poly count or anything like that. Um, and also, it wouldn't conform with some of the technology that we're using. So we essentially have to just rebuild that model. 
but in most cases, we're not just rebuilding the model. We're also making some changes along the way, uh, especially as we discover changes that we have to make due to the white box phase. As the concept guy, you're, you're used to getting the ball rolling, but then once the ball is rolling, you want that collaboration with, with the um, physical design team that's gonna be doing the, the actual 3D of the ship. You know, and you want, because they keep you honest, and then you also keep them honest and, uh, you know, they'll, they may kick an idea to you and go, well, you know, the engines are a little too close. We need to bounce, bounce. And then you'll say, well, I can do this. So it's sort of a, a really great back and forth, you know, that, that I think is really important to the process. One of the biggest issues that we have in concept is the actual metrics because you have Chris on one side wanting to the ship to look a particular way. And as, the, as does the art director, the actual art director is constantly adjusting um, based on the feedback that Chris um, provides. And the biggest difficulty we have is trying to keep to the gameplay metrics that we need to work in the game, such as the animation template. Um, so animation have, for our current ships, they provide, for each ship we have, we have there's a template attached to it. And we have to make sure now not to make any more templates, except when it's absolutely needed, and if we can use an existing one that works. So if we go, right, you know what, um, we would like the same entry animation as we did on the Gladius. Now try and use that entry animation on this new ship. How would it work? What are the challenges it, it comes with it? And it's just to make sure that everyone's involved in communicating with everyone what their new risks and issues are as part of that pipeline. So what we tend to do is we'll get the concept model if we have one, and we will essentially just build a very rudimentary version of the ship. Um, it doesn't have anywhere near the detail that the final model is gonna have, but it serves as a representation for us to start playing around with gameplay elements. So when we, once we have this rudimentary model, we can throw that into the game super fast, and working with the tech design team, we can start actually adding weapons to it. We can start actually adding a rudimentary cockpit and have positions for the animations to work properly. So we can actually go into the game, walk up to this very blocky looking ship, press a button and then climb into it and start flying the ship really early on within the first week and a half to two weeks of production. And this is what we call the white box phase. For the design side of that, that's mainly just setting up some basic helpers and hard points get some thrusters on there, make sure it flies, make sure it putters around. And that's also when we do a lot of the initial placement for thrusters. So we, we need to make sure they're distributed evenly across the ship, that'll be balanced, that's gonna handle right and get the kind of performance that we want it to. So once the, the disciplines have had a look at it, and that's the main part of the, the white box is that people look at it and go, right, I'm ready now, I'm ready for when the ship um, goes into production or so it is further down the production. The UI team have looked at it and gone, Right, okay, these are the, 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 they've done the metrics right, the screen layout is completely correct, we don't need anything new, we are good to go. The VFX department go, right, you know what, um, the thrusters are in the right place, and the maneuverable thrusters um, are correct, um, and know what type of um, ship items it's using, we are good to go as well. So then, that's the main bit of the white box phase. And then it's handed back over to our ship artists, and they just build it out and make it look fantastic during the gray box stage. And on the gray box phase, that's where the artists tend to do a lot of the heavy lifting on the geometry. So we'll actually start building very close to final geometry. Um, we'll start adding uh, bevels or as Max, you just call chamfers all over the ship in order to use 
uh, custom normals on our on our ships, which make it look as though it's higher geometry than it actually is. Custom normals is a technique that we use. Essentially, we, we call it custom normals, but uh, the geometry that we have, each vertices on the surface, um, has a direction which determines how the light bounces off the surface. So typically, there's a technique called subdivision modeling where you will take you will take a surface and an edge and you will sort of reinforce that edge by adding multiple loops to either side of where you want the light to bend. And that will give you sort of a nice flat surface on one side and then a crisp little bend and then a flat surface on the other side. So it looks really smooth. We really can't afford to add that much geometry because it makes everything a lot more expensive to do it with that technique. So what we do is we'll take the vertices and instead of reinforcing the edges, we'll add a single chamfer. And we will then tell the verts to have their tangents pointing exactly where we want them to go. And that will give us the illusion of having a reinforced edge without actually having a reinforced edge. So it gives us a much cheaper asset in terms of geometry, but the quality is just as good. And it ends up making the ship look really cool. But that's essentially what we do in the gray box phase is build as close to final geometry as we can using only two tones to break up the surface. So we'll have a light gray and a dark gray, or maybe a high spec value, a low spec value, just to get a basic breakup of the colors uh, and how we're gonna break it up on the exterior. We'll also do more finalized animations in this stage. So we'll go ahead and build full landing gear and actually do the folding up and closing to make sure that everything closes perfectly and looks beautiful. Uh, and we'll do this for landing gears, we'll do this for ladders, we'll do this for the cockpit canopies, uh, anything that moves on the ship is something that we end up animating within the gray box phase. Uh, mostly because we actually can't build the final geometry without knowing how it's going to move. Uh, so it's really important for us to sort of work on animation and building simultaneously. Because when you go into gray box, you start needing to tech design, get much more involved. They have a, they have a working ship or, you know, in white box form. And they, they, their job is then to go and make it flyable in the engine. And of course, it's only going to be a flyable white box, but it's flyable nevertheless. And it's trying to make it work for all the other disciplines. The goal is at the end of the tech design gray box phase is that other disciplines have something to work with. Once I get it back from there, it starts getting into more of the nuanced setup. So really getting the final thruster items hooked up and not just, you know, placeholder items. Uh, making sure all the guns are seated properly, making sure everything is functioning, giving the player the right line of sight, making sure they have uh, the right speed or convergence angle, uh, just all, all that real core tuning that starts to really build a ship out and give it its character. So we try to produce a ship thinking about the kind of experience and feeling that the player is meant to have. And you can really see this exposed in a lot of our bigger ships that have large interior environments. So some ships are meant to feel uh, very sleek and clean, uh, luxurious, so you'll have a lot of clean walls, a lot of brightly lit areas, uh, and some ships are meant to feel really claustrophobic and unsafe. And the Caterpillar is a great example of that. It's dark, it's dank, uh, there are a lot of sharp edges everywhere sticking out. So we can also communicate that character with our animations. So one really good example of that would be the way, something as simple as the way a door opens. If you have a, a very smooth, quick movement on the door, 
it gives you the sense that everything's working properly. There's no mechanical problems with it. Whereas opposed if you have a door that sort of jerks a little bit and looks like it's scraping across the side as it moves out, you get a sense that the ship's a little bit more dilapidated, that kind of thing. So when we build ships here, we try to build our proxy animations to have some of that feeling in them. So if a landing, if it's a ship that's not meant to be perfectly smooth and perfectly refined, uh, the Buccaneer is a great example of this as well. We would like the landing gear to sort of deploy and sort of feel like it's dropping before it gets caught because it's, it's not a perfectly smooth transition. Uh, so that's, those are just a few of the ways that we try to add character and personality to the ships. One of the things that we've done really well with building out the Buccaneer is even you know, before the first white box was checked in, uh, Elwyn had been planning out a new, just a new way of laying out some of the files or uh, updating our, our current method of laying out the file inside of 3D Studio Max. And uh, that has really sped up the process on doing handoffs between art and design where you know uh, uh, an issue can be called out okay cool the feedback goes back and forth and i can still work set everything up without ever having to worry about uh their work you know overwriting mine or mine overwriting theirs so it just removes a lot of roadblocks and that way it lets us even with any uncertainty it lets us be agile enough to jump onto you know, the Buccaneer or a, the Cutlass uh, or whatever other ship or task is coming up uh, when the time comes for it. The Drake Buccaneer is now considered Greybox complete in the production pipeline. There are still many steps remaining before we can consider this flight ready and we'll be back later when it is. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. That's part one, going from concept to gray box. Dr. Murray, I'm going to go to you first on this. Uh, it, it's, you know, people always hear these terms, white box, gray box. Um, you know, it, it, it is, um, is there some misconception about when we go from, you know, that original piece of artwork that some illustrator makes, who's not an engineer, not a designer necessarily, they could have some background in it, but, uh, you know, what's the... The dynamic here from when someone sees a piece of art they give the okay to say yeah this is the ship we want to build but then they've got these different stages uh you know how can you know as far as time goes especially you know what's the what's the deal because a lot of times people say well this ship's been we've had the artwork for this for eight years why haven't we seen this ship or whatever the case may be well yeah so that's kind of a two-part answer there the in the the beginning this time frame they would have a concept of a ship and they would not have anything done in engine with that concept they would just have a concept on paper they would show it off they would sell it and then they would start working on it and when they started working on it they were building to a certain metric and then that metric changed so a lot of ships that were being built stopped being built because they needed to be reworked from that point on and then later in about 2017 2018 they started building the ships out in white box before they even concept them so they would have in-game asset images of them because they had them white box to gray box done with not completely but enough to show it off so that way, when the ships came out later, like we just saw with the Scorpius, it came out last ILW was its concept sale, and it came out this ILW, mm-hmm. which is pretty quick for a ship that size, or a ship in general. Mm-hmm. And it it looks pretty much the same as it did in concept mm. because it was already 
to a point in concept building before right. they went, they they moved on with it. Mm-hmm. But this the old timeies was like concept images and then concept work mm-hmm. and then white box and then gray box mm-hmm. and then tech and then flight and all these other places had to touch everything and it's still the same. There's a lot of things that touch a ship to make it get done. Right. These were all kind of more disparate, like they were in different studios even. Yeah. At the time. And now now it's all kind of each studio has its own in-house shipbuilding group. Mm-hmm. So they can they can take care of certain ones and they only build certain ones at certain studios. Certain manufacturers get built at certain studios. Yeah. So good point. Yeah, it's good changed point. a lot. Good point. You know, fast card kept uh, Dr. Murray mentions about the fact that the you know the different uh studios now, we know Germany might have Crusader and LA might have this and that and the other for their design. Uh, for those particular type of ships. But at the beginning of this video, they talked about the fact that a lot of this stuff was outsourced. And you and I remember Ilphonic, other companies Ilphonic. that used to get this stuff, right? And Dr. Murray's laughing because we- You, you Ilph- mean redacted? <laughs> yeah, redacted. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, and there were issues in relation to the, the magic word, Dr. Murray said, metrics. Uh, stuff wasn't matching up as things went on. And there was a lot of stuff that basically had to either get halted or get tossed. Uh, and he had to kind of start over again with some things, uh, which was pretty obviously painful for a company with you think about all the amount of hours, not to mention resources that were spent to do that. But if it wasn't done, uh, we'd had some real problems with this game. I was just looking at um, the other day, uh, Star Atlas was showing <clears throat> some preliminary images of their ships. And when you watch this video, they look great on the outside, but then when you walked inside, you noticed that the chairs were not necessarily proportioned right, you know, to the people. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh, I remember seeing that before, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, what is, I mean, what did you think when you saw this, all the detail that went into this fast cart as far as, you know, from concept to, to white box? Uh, it's a lot of work, and I'm glad that they're, they're taking the time to do it. I mean, I, if they didn't take the time to do it, I can understand that they, they, they could probably get these ships out within a couple of months, mm-hmm. depending on the size of the ship. Mm-hmm. But because but because you're taking the time to get the metrics right, so everything looks right, acts right, and and people and players can can, can operate them correctly, mm-hmm. it's taking longer, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I was but kind. I, I do. I, 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 I do want to say that watching this video, they look so young. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you know what? This, this video was, was only 2017. That's, mm-hmm. that's Elwin Bachelor Jr., but I'm wondering if El, Elwin Bachelor Elwin III is working there. Around, now. Yeah. yeah. Just so you all know, okay. this video did come out in 2017. Right. So we're, it was five years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. They, they either look young or they just got back from a long vacation. You know, they, yeah. They, 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 they do look young. There are some folks who do look younger here. Uh, Doc Murray, yeah. I want to comment about something that he said in the video too. He talked about the fact of the level of care and detail that they had to put to every animated item in on these ships. And a lot of times people, you know, we look at the ship as one solid piece, but these ships sometimes have dozens, if not hundreds, maybe even hundreds of mm. different things that actually move. Uh, at the last Bar Citizen, uh, no, it wasn't the last Bar Citizen, it was something Jarrett was talking, Disco Lando was talking, and he said that People think that when you get in your ship, you're flying your ship. He says, no, what's happening mm. is you are oh, you're controlling your person and your person is actually flying the ship. And I think that sometimes people don't realize that level of detail is there. They don't realize that when you're moving your mouse or your keyboard or your joystick, you're actually moving the hand or the joystick of the animated character who is 
that stick is actually now moving something else in the ship. Meaning there's actual mechanics. So it's not mm-hmm. as simple as just thinking, you know, I do one move and one thing happens. There may be seven things or eight things that happen, right, in the game. Yep. Feel yep. free to comment. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I've always liked that about it. Like, uh, I think it was 2016. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine and I dug into the game files and we pulled out some of the ships that were done and just by looking at the ships in the state that they were stored because mm-hmm. it was all XML at the time mm-hmm. they they were hundreds of pieces each and these were the smaller ships and you had to put them together in Blender to make them look right mm. and get them to work right so it was it was a very complicated process and yeah. once once I saw that I was like oh this is how much work they're actually putting into these ships like like you were saying, there are mechanical linkages that attach to some of the, like the Buccaneer, because it's more mechanical than mm-hmm. digital. So it has mechanical linkages that attach to the joystick that go back to the area foils and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's intriguing. And I, I really appreciate the detail yeah. because it makes the shifts feel more real. Yeah. That's- oh, can I m- mm-hmm. mention one thing? You talk about the different companies like Elphonic. I believe it was the 2013 Con that we, we watched a couple of years ago. Trish uh, Roberts mentioned, I, I'm paraphrasing, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know how the exact number, but he mentioned like they were they were outsourcing to like 13 different companies. One of them was Moon Collider. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 A whole bunch of companies. So yeah, it was difficult to get everything done done correctly metric wise so that's why they brought it all in house yeah yeah that's a, that's a good point i lost track of what i was gonna say oh, no. <laughs> yeah it was he was talking about what did you say doc murray or something that was tapped with doc murray was saying oh about all the intricate oh i know what it was right i was directing this to fast cart a little while ago remember this issue came up when uh we had the one uh thing that went out on spectrum and people were talking about like us not having oxygen in the ships and when will vacuums come in and Chris Roberts did this response and he talked about how he remember he gave that example talking about what happens when um, a projectile penetrates a ship and possibly hits a fuel line in the ship and that starts a small fire right Uh, or he talked about the fact that there will be oxygen in the ships that is actually circulating through the ventilation systems. I think that maybe, you know, a lot of players or backers don't know that that's the level of detail. You know, we look at kind of just that exterior, but when you shoot off a wing and you look inside and you see all that cabling and linkage, that's not necessarily just graphics for pretty, but they are actually going to be linkages and things that we can actually interact with that may have an effect on how your ship takeoffs, lands or fire. Right, fast cart, even something like because he, he went to a whole thing about that fire growing and spreading and systems going out and all that other stuff, right? And we see it, we saw, we see it all the time on 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 origin ships whenever they. You never see the, the origin fire, ship the stop. You never see it, all. You see is burn. <laughs> keeps going. Keeps going. It, they, you want to talk about ships with old metrics though? We still have the Caterpillar and the Freelancer. Yeah. And they're on, like the Caterpillar's on first generation metrics, mm-hmm. and the Freelancer Rev Two is on second generation second. metrics, mm-hmm. and we're we're on like sixth generation metrics now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's it, it's interesting to go back and look at them. Like you still see them in game, and you 
Like mm-hmm. that's what I was saying the other day on the yacht club. I was like, this ship's going to get reworked, and everyone was disagreeing uh, with me. And I'm no, like, no, the freelancer no, is. is going to absolutely. get reworked. Absolutely, no, the freelancer, will. yeah, absolutely will, absolutely, will. And, and that's a really so good is the point. caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. like, yep. like I think a lot of the ships that we've had since like 2016 mm-hmm. and before for 2.0 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think all of those ships are going to get a big rework done. Yeah, yeah, and if we look at we look at what they're doing with the gold standard. Every ship that's out prior it's to going to get some type of step up right? last year mm-hmm. is going to get yeah everything's yeah. going to get touched i, I i've so. always said that after i saw the uh whole a come out the new design language that they did where mm-hmm. they've streamlined right. it it's de- and, and to your point there's a lot of placeholders in that old freelancer all, so you know uh-huh. all that stuff's going to like you said it's all going to end up getting adjusted in time so freelancers yeah. uh, owners rejoice because uh i think that the, i love i was never a big freelancer fan as far as design i was in a sense of their usefulness but man, when they did that whole A, that interior, the new dash, all that stuff is spot on for Miss. So yeah, that's right, Melvin. The freelancer we were just for you. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that's part one. Let's go ahead and jump into uh, part two, gang, and we'll take a look at that one. Okay, here we go. Last time we spoke about the white box stage and the gray box stage. Since then, we've moved on to doing the final art stage and what we call flight ready stage. And that's really where it's just putting the extra polish into the ship, uh, making sure not just that it flies, but that it flies how we want it to. Uh, Not just that you can blow it up and that it takes damage, but that it looks fantastic when you do that. It has the right amount of health. Uh, Its shields are working and soaking the amount of damage that we're intending them to, and really just putting all the final touches on the ship. What we essentially do is we finish off the surface of the ship. So we decide what materials uh, any of the geometry is going to be. So if we're going to go with a raw metal or a painted metal, we'll uh, make sure we create all the textures necessary for each material. So, you know, we have wire textures. Um, We'll go ahead and use uh, palms which is a parallax occlusion mapping texture. It's basically a decal which makes the surface look like it has a lot more detail geometry-wise than it actually does. Um, And we'll use that in order to add rivets to the surface, cut lines um, onto the wings as an example, where no actual geometry exists. So it looks far more detailed geometry-wise than it actually is, which makes it more efficient to run an engine. It uses less resources, but it looks great. It ends up looking like there's tons of detail on the ship. Uh, and it's actually one of our favorite parts to start working on. Once we get to that stage, it really is about detailing it and sort of bringing the ship to life in terms of the way it looks. Uh, because we have a lot of freedom as to how we make these cut lines, you know, start dancing across the ship without actually having to affect the geometry in any significant way. We'll make sure during that stage also to finalize all the animations. So we'll bring in Jay Brushwood in Texas in order to finalize all that, change the timing on the animations if we need to. Finally get to get my hands in it and get nitty gritty in terms of setting up pivots, the hierarchy structure of the ship. And for those that you don't know, the hierarchy is basically a parent-child relationship. For instance, it's like your hand being a child of your forearm, your forearm being a child of your upper arm. Same thing deal on the ship. We've got all sorts of hierarchy structures where things can branch out and do their own thing. For instance, with the landing gear, the foot of the landing gear is going to be attached to the ankle of the landing gear. And then we might have pistons that, you know, uh, go in and out of each other and, and that allow the landing gear to fully retract in. And so anyway, after setting up all that 
uh, I get the opportunity to go ahead and work on the timing of the animations. And this is where, you know, you actually add the bit of, you know, flair with overlapping action and uh, a lot of other principles of animation of, of how things, you know, uh, deploy. And uh, the various parts of the ship that we end up uh, setting up animations for are things like the landing gear, the ladder entry, the canopy opening and closing, all sorts of this stuff needs to be worked out. And then we export that all to game. And once it's exported to game, the next thing we do is we set up the character interactions. And this would be the character climbing in and out of the cockpit, opening up a drawer, you know, opening up a hatch, uh, all the various things. For me, the whole process is kind of building a puppet that I then get to play with. And the animation part is where it comes to life. And that's where the illusion sort of comes together. This is also the stage when we allow the VFX team to come in and start doing all of their effects for thrusters, as an example. So the difference between the effects that you'll see on the, the Buccaneer compared to other uh, Drake ships would be pretty much driven by what that ship looks like and, and what the function of that ship is compared to the other ships. Uh, I suppose the best example is the, the thrusters. So the, the color scheme and the style of the thruster effects for the Buccaneer, they're going to be sharing similarities with the other Drake ships. However, the thrusters are a specific shape on that ship and the, the thrusters actually animate in a specific way to that ship. So that's going to drive what our effects look like compared to the other ones. So the VFX pipeline itself, um, we will have, we will go to from the uh, the R&D to the block out. We then have the, the first pass, which is the, the artist's first attempt at getting that effect as, as kind of good as it can get it and then that will get reviewed uh, we will provide feedback from that review and then it goes into the polish pass so the polish pass is is once that's done and once that's signed off and it's been optimized as well because um, that's a big part of the getting the effects finished in the game um, then that's it then the effects are done for that ship and we consider it flight ready ui likes to be involved with with kind of all milestones of, of the pipeline from the from the gray box and the white box um, while a lot of the ships use the same UI style, um, there's, there's definitely quite a few that uh, will require unique screen shapes and sizes. We have a lot of great upcoming ships that have very unique bespoke uh, designs on them. So the earlier we know about those designs, the, the quicker we can start working on the visual side of things. Um, but as, as for the Buccaneer and a lot of other ships, they uh, quite a lot of them use the same template system. So UI can be kind of hands-off until the very end. When it, when it came to doing the Buccaneer, thankfully we had a very clean and smooth pipeline introduced already, so plugging the new screens in was instantaneous, basically, after, after the 3D modelers came in. Um, there was very few customization that needed to be done. Eventually we want to have the Drake ships have their own look and feel, the, the Anvil ships, everything kind of, um, while they might have the same screen sizes and screen ratios, we want them to have their own unique colors and feel and, and different shape language. Our audio production Nicola Grelk um, takes care of communication between our discipline and the other disciplines. We can see that the sort of large ships are coming down the pipeline. We can allocate time to work on those. Smaller ships are going to be going to require less time. So the smaller ships tend to wait until more towards the end before we start working on them. But they all need to have the same amount of emotional connection with the player. Um, so, for example, with the Drake craft, we're looking at, um, 
you know, the lineage, the, the Herald, the Caterpillar, these other ships, what they sounded like and what they felt like to fly. It's quite different from the Buccaneer. The Buccaneer is far more kind of finessed than, say, the Herald. The Herald's like a can with the rocket strapped to it. I mean, it's, it's like it's going to explode any second, and that's part of its charm, you know. It's, sort of agricultural, and this is the feeling we get from it. But we can only really tell that when the ship's got all its decals and detail and, and stuff in situ, and we can decide what that, that should sound like. Here's the Herald thrusters for a, a quick comparison. So you can hear that engine there. It's raw, you're strapped to a rocket. Here's our buccaneer. That's the Drake sound. Yeah. The thrusters are made up of lots and lots of layers, and here's one of them that gives it a, a very distinctive tone as we traverse the thrust range here, moving up towards maximum thrust. Get the sound morphing and changing in character right up to the top, and then back down again. That's kind of a synth layer in the background, giving it some character. So this synth element is just one element of many that make up the compound thruster sound, but Look how many real-time parameters are bound to this single synth sound. All of these here are going to react to the player's input to the ship controls, and they all change the pitch and the filtering and the volume of the various elements, which gives it a very organic feel. You know, as one element rises in tone with a strain on the ship, another electronic buzz might fall in tone in a sympathetic way. And in turn, that provides a very natural interaction within the sounds. And that's exactly how we um, give the ships more of a voice, a realistic, flexible character. And this extends to even the ambient sounds in the ship as well. They all have these real-time parameters assigned to them. taking the, the lineage from the other Drake ships and bringing it across to the new ship is what we're trying to do, but also create something unique in the new ship. It's not like a kit bash, it's not the sort of a copy paste from an old ship to a new ship. It's about taking ideas from those uh, other Drake ships and bringing them across into the new sound design sessions for the, for the Buccaneer but creating something um, unique in the process as well. Then the last stage in the process for us on the art side is the flight ready stage. And during this stage, we are, we are not really focusing on what the ship looks like anymore. We've already sort of finalized that, but we are filling in some of the gaps that are necessary for, for gameplay to be fully fledged on the ship. So what that means is we need to build damage. I am involved in every ship in the pipeline. And I, get, I jump in about white box stage. After concept's done, the modeling gets laid out, design has put some 
uh, features in, I'll go in and I'll look at the, what the design is, what's been done so far, and uh, start to uh, think about destruction. Very early on, we start to think about how the ship will break apart. So we'll talk about how the meshes uh, get divided very early. And in the case of the Buccaneer, uh, Pat handled the damage and the lighting, and I handled some of the optimization work. And what we did for optimization was we uh, do a process called skinning. And it's like rigging a character um, where you make several meshes a single mesh, which reduces draw calls, which, redu which improves performance. And uh, that also needs to be hooked up through our mannequin animation platform and driven through, uh, say, the thrust of the, the engine needs to dilate the nozzle of the engine. So I had to hook that up. And um, the landing gear of the ship needs to uh, deploy and allow you to rest on a platform and uh, have proper collision and materials. And so I handle all that. When I get the ship from an artist, the first things I do are I start to set it up for detachability. Um, what that usually entails is going to Max and the XML, setting up the variety of components, like the wings detaching. And normally uh, in this stage, we're getting this done so design can start to iron out health values and how parts break off and how it affects the flyability of the ship. So before I even get into doing shaders and effects and making it uh, look pretty, just got to get it to work. After I do all the detachments, I set off how the pieces fly off the ship, and those are called vectors. So when you blow off a piece of geo, it's going to spin around, right? And that's based on its pivot point. And then that's going to rotate, and then it's just going to go flying off into space. So I set up how that works. Uh, after that, I also go into the XML, and I set up pieces that will detach with other pieces. So say, for example, you blow off a big, huge engine on the Buccaneer, right? But there's a wing attached to that. There's also a thruster, and maybe there's a little wing flap behind it. You ask yourself, if the explosion was big enough, would it take off these other pieces surrounding it? So shoot that, and then you can have extra pieces fly off with actual probability. So it's kind of random whether the pieces fly off or not. Uh, that's actually just the sort of damage setup phase. I want to get into making sure everything starts to look appropriate when it breaks off. Uh, that involves getting ready for shader damage that we've added. Um, we've talked about that, where we have the procedural damage shader, which melts across the surface. Um, for that, we needed to do what's called UV2 setup. And now, um, if you know, UVs are how your texture gets mapped onto the surface of an object. So in our game, we have two sets of UVs. We have one set of UVs for the basic texture on your surface of your ship, and we have another set of UVs for your damage map to melt and wear across. You're creating like a mesh that closely resembles the shape of the actual ship. And from there, it's kind of trial and error, actually. There's really no tried and true methodology for it and uh, kind of working it out as we go. Quality gets better as we keep going through, but that's the basic setup. So now what I'm doing is once I get into the editor, I start to shoot the ship, right? And I'm testing and I'm making sure that there's two types of damage happening. There's a decal happening when you shoot. So a bullet hole will leave a burn or a bullet ding. But there's also the shader damage, which should happen around it. Now, the shader damage is, works for different weapon types, so laser will leave like a melty wear and a bullet will leave an actual indent that has metal. As you keep shooting, 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 you can tear a hole. Um, as you tear a hole, the modelers have prepped it so that there's internal damage. Before tech art can implement any of the damage, we have to build it. So we need to actually generate the content that gets revealed in, in the damage process, the actual setup of it. 
So we'll do internal damage structure. So this is, like I mentioned before, this is where we build the internal structure for the wings and the body so that there's something there to show. And we will also do an initial pass on what we call the UV2s. Essentially, it's just a second UV channel, which we use to generate um, procedurally on the fly um, an alpha map, which then tells the engine where to reveal the damage on the ship. After I've done the UV2s and I've tweaked it and it looks good and there's lots of melting metal and all sorts of fun stuff going on, I move on to the VFX. Um, now, there's multiple people working on VFX. I'm doing more preparatory VFX. Since I do the shader damage, there's two parts to it. There's what's called squibs, which are little kind of explosive charges that create shader damage in a radius. I set the radius and max. And then there's actual particles like fire, electricity, smoke, explosions, you name it, right? Now, I don't actually build the particles, but what I do is I go into a library where all the particles are held, and I start to set up all the pieces, and I pick effects, and I put them where I think things are exploding. Are there tubes here? Maybe there should be gas. Is there, you know, something like that. Um, after I set all that up, and it looks great, and there's parts flying around, and fire, you know, and smoke and stuff, then I send it to the actual particle guys who then do an optimization pass, make sure that I'm using the correct libraries. And the very last final bit is actually making sure that everything detaches correctly. Right, so when a piece blows off, does the gun go flying off with it? Um, artists will generally do the lights on their ships, so they'll do that as part of the art pass. And then um, we'll have the components. So if a wing flies off and there's lights on the wing, the light should fly off with the wing. That's part of the setup pass, right? Common sense, but usually there's a bit more setup to it than that. So with lighting, there's two things. We have what's called prefabs for a multi-light, which means that when a player gets in a cockpit seat, it then powers on all the lights around him. Then we have what are called object container lights, which are slightly different. Object containers are new tech someone else will talk about. But uh, basically, when we have lights in an object container, they're always on. So we use these mainly for more interior, sometimes aesthetic lights that always just need to maybe be on. Anything needs power fits in a multi-light. I do all that in the ship's setup level. So that's kind of post-phase, but that's the final phase. And from there, it's polish, right? You just shoot it, make sure everything looks good. There's no bad UVs, no parts hanging on, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, that's the tech art pass, and then it goes off to all the departments for finalization. Uh, one of the, the interesting challenges that always pops up as we're finishing off a ship are sort of the, the random things. It's like, oh, crap, I can't believe I forgot that. Or uh, just chasing down why something doesn't work for no reason. Uh, one of the more notorious aspects of that is usually our collision. Um, so we were actually just getting the landing gear in. It all functions and looks proper now. But occasionally it doesn't want to act like it's turned on. And so the ship can fall through the ground and just blow itself up for no reason. Right now I'm uh, chasing up several loose ends. We've got some shader issues. We've got some texture issues. So I'm also chasing up issues with the thruster, not delivering uh, parameterized values to our nozzle correctly and the glow on the material that's inside the engine. Uh, these things will all be solved before the, uh, the public finally sees it. And it's just getting those little parts lined up where it's like, okay, do we, do we have to adjust this helper to get that cleaned up? Or do we have to adjust the landing gear itself? Uh, and start chasing down almost to which discipline. It's like, okay, th this is going to be the cleanest fix for our problem. Uh, this is going to be the best fix almost long-term for making sure that uh, if we have to do something similar again, it's like, oh, we can refer, or refer to this ship because we fix that really clean there this way, and we can apply that to whatever other ship we want to.
So I'm probably the last step, the last person to get hands-on with the ship. Um, and that's kind of an overlapping stage where Test and myself have a little back, back and forth when the ship comes to us. And it's about tweaking and taking what's already been designed for and making sure that that's the way it, it, it is in-game. The process of balancing it, it's kind of... You need to be able to see how... Um, it's kind of like ranking it in, in with all the other ships, really. So being able to see how all the other ships compare to each other, that's kind of my job to make sure that nothing comes in with, with fly tuning in particular. This ship does not outperform where it should be. It doesn't, it's not too fast. It's not too maneuverable. Where it should sit right where it should sit. That's a, it's a difficult thing to get right. And it's often a lot of back and forth even now with um, with testers internally and externally where they point out mistakes or imperfections in the flight model of the ship you know the sorry the flight tuning of the ship it's um when it comes to weapons it's kind of the same you know you've got you need to make sure that the the ship loadout isn't too powerful when it comes to um dog fighting against each other when it comes to finding problems with imbalance like with weapon loadout for instance it's up to me to to point that out to the designer in charge of the ship see if there's any leeway um, the buccaneer being another example of that with it having a very large loadout for weapons you know it's it hits it hits really hard it packs a punch i was concerned about that that it may be overstepping its um bounds a little bit in terms of the wider balance so that conversation we had, it's um, it's all about the trade-offs. So if we can ensure that that ship is weak, but still hits hard, then that that's that's fine. That's that's balanced. Of its weight class. Oh, you beat me to it. You beat me to it. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, man, th there was a lot in that um, to cover. Just the gray box, the final art, and then getting it flight ready. Um, one of the things that, that stuck out to me, Dr. Murray, you will remember the very early version of the freelancer we had these like really weird landing gear that were just like flat pads they weren't and i don't and know what the heck they were right but you remember they were like totally like flat right and you know remember when um i think one of the demonstrations the first demonstration they did when they flew to um uh was it uh delamar and they landed on the surface because those things were flat the ship was rocking i mean there was no shock absorbing right and that stuff you know, was really obvious to us, right? It didn't look, for lack of a better term, realistic, right? Right. But there was also less animations and stuff. Then he showed us this breakdown of the animation where he talked about the feet doing something, then there's maybe a piston behind a this and a this and a this and a this. And now this stuff is so realistic, right? We don't even think about it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, which is hmm? which is part of the reason, the, like, the the... 
the movement of the shocks and all of that mm. is part of the reason why the 400i didn't get increased in height a little bit so it could fit a rock because mm -hmm. they tried that and it didn't it landed unnaturally after that because the shocks were too stiff so mm -hmm. they were like well yeah it just won't carry a rock i guess yeah, yeah I, mean, it, I mean and sometimes people may think oh it's, the, it's no big deal to make that happen right all you gotta do is lift the ship right. up a couple feet and you can do it but there's yeah. way more connectivity and all these other things that actually would probably put in a tremendous amount of work to make something that sounds so simple happen right yeah okay okay um fc let me ask you a question do you do you think that maybe because these ships look so real and they they do the things that our brains tell us that they should do that that's the reason why we don't think very much about the amount of work that goes into them you know what i mean um because i mean a lot of people think that and I'm not trying to be funny, but was it a, no, no. Was it a couple of shows ago, one of the guys at CIG, the devs, talked about how if, if we stopped to do the Polaris right now, it would take 18 months. And people went crazy. They're like, whoa, 18 months. I mean, I mean, is that why we don't think that it takes, a, you know, Doc Murray said, you know, months, if not a year to work on some ships. Is that not, is that why people respond the way they do? Because they don't really get the level of detail that goes into these ships? I think they see the finished work and they, and, and I think people conceptualize the ship as one solid thing, and that it's different pieces of a whole different um, system interacting together to to, to make it um, work well. Mm. So yeah, I, I think people underestimate the intricacies a ship may have, especially in, in Star Citizen. Yeah, especially like um like like a, a bigger ship compared to like a a Kirk or maybe even even the Polaris or like even the Merchantman. Like they they have a, a whole lot of stuff going into it. It's not just one solid piece of uh, tech or uh, artwork. Yeah, that's, that's working in the game. Doc, Doc Murray, the uh, he used the example with the with the Buccaneer, but we talked. You and I talked about the Freelancer a couple of minutes ago. I'm a Reclaimer owner. And when I look at the freaking landing gear on the Reclaimer, there's yeah. so many freaking moving parts and shocks and pistons. And I mean, I don't even know how many you've got to be on just one foot, you know? Um, is that, I mean, you've got some area of background in this. Is the amount of time it takes to do something like that, is that multiple people or one person who's focused on that usually something like that? I, I think CIG does it with a couple of people putting them together, but usually when it comes down to animating one section of something, mm -hmm. you want one person to do it so it's coherent. Because mm -hmm. they'll come at it with their idea of how it's going to work. They want it to compress this much. They want it to have this many pistons on it. They want it to look like this and do this articulated, crunchy swoosh. So that's they're going to work on that and then they'll probably work on all the landing gear while someone inside is working on the doors the, mm. the hatches the the component covers and mm -hmm. all that because mm -hmm. those are simple so you can have more people do those and not have to worry about artistic license and creativity getting in the way of them. yeah and, you can only do so much with a, a hatch sliding out of the way and we're getting more stuff in some of these ships because like right now, a lot of the areas on ships that don't even operate, like storage lockers and things like that, that eventually becomes more things, right? That end up having right. to be animated, uh, designed, whatever the case may be. I know we get so used to things just being, you know, the picture of a storage container, but there really will be a door that opens up. Some ships are like yeah. that now, right? Especially the stuff that's yeah, like the, been physicalized, the right? Hercules. Oh, the Hercules yeah, has yeah. Where it works. And the nice thing about the storage on the ships, because we were just 
fooling around with the meals the other day and I realized this was if you put it in a storage part of your ship somebody else can access it mm -hmm. if you just put it in your inventory with I then it's right. your own inventory of the ship and they can access it yep. so if you want to take water with you you put it in the C2 storage, storage mm -hmm. compartments so other people can get some exactly exactly yeah. I'm digging the fact that when I get in certain ships like my 315 that little refrigerator works now you know what I mean yeah. I can store my water and stuff in there and I come back and it's there it's been in there for like three years now yeah like that. right right but the fact that it actually does is actually like you said a cool thing then if somebody's in my ship and they say i need some water i say hey i'm not going to my backpack trying to figure out how to hand it to them and drop it but my ship actually has fridge. an area right go to the fridge it's there right and there are a lot of ships that are, i think the redeemer right now also works too but we want to see that implemented in more of the ships that do have that, that type of capability in them um what what i want is the damn sinks to work Ooh. like there's a big old a big old valve on the mm. floor of all the hangers that says water yeah that way i can get a drink out of the sink instead of having to buy water water for one one bad emp or one good emp for for that matter and you turn you turn on the faucet and water just goes everywhere you, <laughs> everything. you don't want that fc let me ask you something you're into music and stuff and i know you probably appreciated this section here where they talked about sound design because we didn't even think about sound design when it comes nope. to the, these ships but not only he did i mean for those of you who weren't listening with headphones man when he did those engine sounds yeah. with the herald it was like whoa i mean and then he's, he's saying the synthesizers that they use the multi-layering that they did to create and the distinctiveness where there's enough there that you know it's a drake but then each drake ship has its own unique tone to it, which I thought was pretty amazing. Because I know when I get in certain ships, I know when I get, I mean, you guys know I'm an Origin fan, but I, 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 I do pay attention to that sound or the way that engine comes in. And when I get in the Cutlass, I notice it's a definite drastic difference in the way the ship sounds, you right. know? Um, and, what did you uh, think about all the I'll, sound design interior too? Go, you can talk about, but I want to know what you think about the interior sound designs from just walking around and stuff. What did you think about the ambient sounds? Uh, I, I didn't uh, think too much about, uh, about the ambient sound, but I did notice the, the engine. But I mean, when, when the ambient sound around Star Citizen is, is pretty good. I mean, it, 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 it would be noticeable if they weren't there. Yeah. That way. Yeah. Yes. But but the fact that it is there makes it seem like it, 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 it's it, natural. It, it's a natural place. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a natural place. But for for, for the engine part, it's it it. it, 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 it I was I was pleased. I I could see each section, and and when each section kicked in, like, mm -hmm. it was revving up. So I was like, "Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, right there. You saw it right there. Yeah. So yeah, it's like it, it's very interesting. I I, I I would not have been able to pick it up without the visuals, but seeing the with the visuals let me um appreciate it more. Yeah. I've I know Doc Murray. Some of the ships you even, especially some of the Drake ships. And I'm not picking on Drake by any means, but you literally <laughs> hear the them creaking sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's these like fast card set. They talk about this with with sound design that when people don't notice it, that's when it's done well. It's when you right. hear the weird stuff that you well, it's not right or something's not balanced. But I've flown in some of those ships, and you literally hear them when you go into Quantum. You hear the stress, you know, on this on the structure of the ship, and it's so cool, you know. But that's another yeah. dynamic. Somebody has to spend literally hundreds, hundreds of hours compiling and putting all these sounds together for these ships to make us feel like we're immersed, right? Yeah. I, sometimes when I'm walking in the Caterpillar, I think I can hear a mouse. 
like <laughs> a little sound scurry and something making little noises or something. Yeah, a little something moving. I'm like, what's that? It could be. It could be. Yeah. Well, that this this just means you gotta get a cat for yeah. you know, <laughs> like a, a, a little cat for to 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 get to get rid of all, all the rodents that's running on on, yeah. on this ship. If I can have a space cat on my ship, I will. Yeah, that's mm. pretty cool. That's Hopefully, pretty they can cool. be cloned with the Ibrahim sphere too. Ah, there you go. Sad if they don't. There you go. Hey, we want to give out to give a shout out to Segelian. Segelian is actually on his way back. Uh, is the only way back. Yeah, they're driving back from their bar, Citizen, and they said that they're watching the show while they're in the car. So, Segelian, so all of you drive safely. Listen to the show. Don't watch it if you're driving. Yeah. Oh God, I'll Spartan. Thank you so much again, as always. Thank you for that. Y'all shout some love at I'll Spartan. Those of you who have been blessed and gifted with 10 subs. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, very, very cool stuff. Um, sound design, uh, you know, I also it was interesting too about, you know, to get to this final level of final art and polish. Uh, it was interesting too. You said when they get near that end there, they're no longer worrying about the design of the ship, but there's little things that they are paying attention to in the sense of performance of the ship and other things. Um, amazing to watch how many hands, how many different people, how many different departments this process takes. takes. And I would really love to see maybe Doc Murray, there's someday they'll print out and tell us like how many months it took to work on a Buccaneer, how many months it took to do a Connie, uh, I'd really be yeah. curious to find out what Would those timelines are. Oh, they have to. They probably. Yeah, they they've got to keep I mean, logs. For ship, I mean, for a ship. Yeah, they've got to keep track yeah. of the logs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, and the only reason I'm saying, go ahead, go ahead Doc Murray. As I was saying earlier, they're, they're not done either. Like, mm -hmm. there are no ships that aren't going to get reworked. Mm -hmm. Like, we will see another gold standard in alpha i imagine platinum. and then we'll see platinum. another one well i don't think they'll go platinum until they go into beta and then when we go into beta all it'll probably be 220 ships by then and we'll mm. have to get retouched mm. so like i i don't foresee them changing a lot but some of the earlier ships are definitely going to change because the design language that they use with them has been more refined later through further projects like the freelancer. We were talking about mm -hmm. the hall a and the odyssey, and we're going to see the star oh fair. The star fair is yeah. going to get reworked. So, yeah, you know, all, all these things are going to change and they're all going to be updated to the new style guide. Cause they fleshed out the style guides. Finally, and you like just almost went, all of them have multiple ships. Now you just went where I was so. going to go. This was five years ago. They have definitely refined streamlined updated and done a lot more things in their processes, uh, in the sense mm -hmm. of how they're able to produce these ships or the moons or the planets. Remember, remember a right. little while ago, they told us that now they're able to create things in weeks versus months or months versus years. Oh. Uh, when it comes to the verse itself. So that's the good thing. And then this new thing, what was the software, uh, Dr. Murray, they just came up with the one that makes all the different design software talk to each other. Bridge, bridge, the bridge. The bridge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even something like that brings a whole nother level uh, to the design uh, and, and their workflow uh, than what was done before. So some of you folks out there that are watching this, I know you guys use Blender and you guys are all familiar with this stuff. Some of you have messed around with things like our, um, what's it called? CryEngine and uh, Unreal. So you have a, Maya and the, um, in the Twitch chat. Yeah, Maya, yeah, yeah Maya. Yehudini, you guys have got, I'm sure, a great appreciation. And I wish you all could, we could hear your voices because I'm sure you could probably reinforce uh, people's understanding of how much work really goes into making these ships happen. I mean, they're 
they're beautiful uh, i'm still tripped out about the thing they talked about at the end where they do all the detailing with the lines and the in the wings and stuff and it's all illusion but when you walk up to yeah. it it really does look like <laughs> there's depth and yeah. angles and bolts and well, stuff it's that's... pretty amazing you know it's one of my favorite things to tell Jordan when we're in the universe. I'll be like, look at this. Doesn't this look like a nice curved multiple texture? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, it's flat. And he's like, what? <laughs> You're sitting oh, there ruining Griffin, him. To, to, your point, to your point, I'm about uh, to reclaim it. Reclaim it is one of my favorite tips watching, watching land because the, the compression. They talk about that before on, on, on one of their shows. The compression. And I think that, that landing gear, it has to be at least 10 pieces in there at least yeah oh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean and i mean not to mention just the reclaimer itself the ship itself how many moving parts are in that ship when you're walking around in it and then how many more moving parts are be going to become more active over time uh there's just a lot of work there i didn't have this up but i'm going to pop these up on the screen um because there are some people who weren't around in the early days and guys bear with me here because I had intended to put this in the show <clears throat> and me and my uh, old forget for self, I, I forgot where I put it, but I kept thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to show these off regardless to people so that they can see it. These are some early concept drawing. Oh, this is not concepts. This is the real thing. Uh, Doc Murray and Fastcart were around back then. Maybe some of you guys who are in chat were around back at this time. Uh, but w this is the fourth version, solid version of the constellation Andromeda. For those of you who've been around for a while, you know that what we have now is not what we had in the beginning. And so I wanna show them guys a couple of these pictures and then you guys can kind of elaborate on these a little bit. Um, for example, this was the one of the original concept drawings for the constellation Andromeda. Okay. I don't like it. What do you mean you don't <laughs> like don't it? You, what do you mean you don't like it? What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not the Connie. It's the Connie. It's the Connie Defender. Don't you recognize it? It's the Connie. De yeah. <laughs> it's the Connie Defender. I'm just, I'm just thinking the Connie's engines are so big already they get blown off easily. This thing's got two right? max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh let's take another. I mean, if one of those get blown off, you'd be spinning them out in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whee! Yep. Here's another one. This is as it's starting to become a little more refined. Okay. Yeah. And it's slowly, and we do mean slowly, slowly moving into what it will become much later. Uh, let's take a I look. Like, I like looking at these stages of the ships because they look like ships from Privateer and uh, Freelancer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. This is when it starts getting a little further along again. Okay. That one looks like the Connor. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's slowly getting there, right? But you notice there's still some things there that are... Uh, not completely yeah the way right. this is here and this and this the width here there's still some things that are kind of whack yeah. uh that have I'll say one thing. big dome on... there's one thing that's consistent between all those are the struts yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if nothing else they're right? finally they're finally gonna do something about this yeah, so. if nothing else. yeah now let me show some folks some stuff that will scare them because doc murray and fast cart will remember these days uh this is the way the interior used to look you guys remember the old dining room table that used to be there yep. this this bench would flip upward and then this table would go up into the ceiling uh, and yep. if you notice this is more of a docking collar down here and the doorway was circular uh so that definitely 
we definitely moved past that. Um, let's Except see. for the origin ships. Yeah, you know, thanks <laughs> a lot. Uh, let me show you one more here. This is the cockpit. Uh, let's see here. Let me wide that out. I wish you had bit. a picture of the Phoenix. He, oh my God! You don't. We don't want to look at that thing. Oh uh, God! The old Chris Roberts thing. Um, but yeah, this is just giving you guys some ideas of some of the stuff that they would do when they were producing these ships. And I think I can show one more, and then we're going to go ahead and get to the uh, get to Sarah's part. How are we doing on time? Oh, it's eight twenty already. Oh my God! I got to get past this because yeah. this is like way too 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 much here. Uh, let's see if I can find this other picture. I'm not finding the one that I wanted to show. But uh, anyway, the ship just looks entirely different than what it used to look like a long time ago, gang. That's I mean, you still see hints of it. it I oh, yeah. Entirely, but it's like, but yeah. it, 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 it had changed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and imagine, well, hmm? imagine this in bright alabaster white. <laughs> and, right. And wood paneling. Yes, yes, <laughs> and yes. That was Quentin so polished. That was so polished. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> that scary. It, like walking into the Phoenix, like you come up and you open that door and it's like, I need sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> that that was definitely pretty scary back in the day. Okay, <clears throat> we are, because our time Ooh. is going, I'm not going to do this thing with Sarah because it's just a very quick, it's only four minutes long. But, well, you know what? We can do it. It, it won't take long to do yeah, it. We can do it. Let's take a quick look at this real quick. From, this is with Sarah McCullough. Now this is, uh, you want to get started here. Um, if you're a subscriber and you've seen our subscriber vault section, you'll often see uh, the roads not traveled. Uh, for our concepts. For the last couple of weeks, we've been exploring uh, the, the RSI Mantis, for instance. Uh, one of the earliest steps in the concept process is thumbnails or silhouettes. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk to us about how important shape language is. Why, why we start here instead of just something more detailed. So a lot of the, a lot of the thumbnails give you is, well, firstly is weight and also style language. So from just from looking at this, you know pretty much straight away that it's Anvil. So we do these little series of thumbnails to just get our initial shapes down uh, and to just make sure that it has a correct weight and flows well with the rest of the series uh, of ships. And uh, we can explore as well new avenues of shapes without you know, really diving into anything serious and have a little bit of fun really, uh, which is also what it's about. You also want an individualized silhouette. You, you, these sh you want ships to be able to be read from a long, from a long distance away. You know, exactly. we, we talk a lot about if you follow Star Citizen's development over the years. Uh, we talk a lot about you know LODs or level of detail, where you know we, we create a ship that's super high poly and, and detailed, and then we bake it down to LOD four, and then three, and then two, and then one. Uh, you want a ship that can still be read as a silhouette from far away yeah i remember exactly. reminded of those old world war ii spotter cards where they used to just have the silhouettes <laughs> of ships uh, on, on like playing cards and that's how they would teach uh uh you know soldiers on the ground how to identify which ships in the air were friendlies and foes just based on the shape uh, yeah. everything we know about the visual language of a ship starts with its shape yeah exactly and it's you know, and, and color as well is really important uh, as, as we get a little bit further down because obviously you want to recognize who they are, for mm. even for, even from a distance. So as I say, this is what we do here is we just like block out uh, the, these series of things and uh, see, what, say, see what we come up with. Now, Maloons makes brings up a good point. Don't you start with a design brief? Usually, yes, but designers, man, all they do is tell you what you can and can't do. <laughs> 
We're, we're, we're not doing that here today. Yeah. No, we're having a bit of fun today. Because yeah. usually, yeah, you do start off with a design brief, uh, and it'll tell you, like, you know, uh, its role, its size, uh, you know, what exactly is its purpose, and then you go from there, really, and then you do a series of little thumbnail blockouts and, uh, and that type of thing. Um, he does bring up a good point. There's a common misconception. Um, when we refer when we refer to the design of a ship, uh, it's often considered a visual thing. Uh, in game design, and especially in Star Citizen, the design is done by by you know folks like uh, John Crew and Stephen Hosmer. Um, it, it, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a technical thing. It's, it's, a, well, it's a shorthand for technical design. Yeah. Uh, design, design happens on paper in spreadsheets and stuff. It <laughs> should have this many seats. It should have this many, uh, this big an engine, this big, a, a, you know, such and such shields and stuff like that. Uh, that's where design of a ship comes from. Uh, and then, it, it, like Ilun said, uh, it gets hand, that gets handed over to a concept art, artist, and the concept artist has to work to bring uh that to a visual representation now you've done a couple ships now how often does does your visual design then go back and change something about the the, the technical design like do you, have you ever done something that just looked cool and they're like oh that wasn't really <laughs> what we were planning but maybe you know we changed that um well i i do try to accommodate the design language is like best as possible, really. Um, so, but there is a there is a backwards and forwards. Like, hey, this would be really cool. Can we try and fit this in? Or, uh, you know, it would be really awesome if we got this um, instead of this. Uh, so there is this this back and forth that you have to have because, as you say, uh, design is very text based, whereas this is quite you know visual and we can um, see visually, and then you know we can. Once from we've got this little thumbnail, we can block it out in 3D, dead quick, mm -hmm. and then we, we we put it like little people in, and uh, if it's got cargo, we put cargo in it and see if it actually works, and then we can go back to design and be like, hey, look, we've got some room for extra, mm -hmm. um, or not, basically. Uh, so sometimes you can you can you know wangle <laughs> stuff in. It's a, <laughs> it's a very collaborative process. It is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, just this really cool thing that they do with using different pieces from design language to kind of assemble something to just begin the idea of how a ship can look. Uh, and I think uh, most of you all know that what, what uh, Jarrett was talking about was, you know, quite often the silhouette of a ship can be very important for those who are looking at a ship, especially in combat. Uh, and so they do take that into consideration when it comes down to even designing the ships. Uh, Dr. Murray, any thoughts on this little piece here with Sarah? Um, it's Sarah McCulloch, not McCullough. Oh, McCulloch. Thank you. McCulloch. McCulloch. Scottish. McCulloch. Okay. Yeah. Right. Joran calls her McCullough too, so I gotta... Ah, I, I was <laughs> quoting I Jared. McCullough. I didn't know that it was that I'm, I'm hearing it wrong in my bad ears. Okay. Some people in chat oh. were talking about Sarah, who she was, but Sarah's not with CIG anymore, but she is, she was an artist there. And uh, yes, yep. she has gone and moved on to some other projects, but she was a great contributor to the Star Citizen verse. Yeah, yeah. FC. And she made the Pisces, the MSR. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think she worked on a Carrick. She had great enthusiasm. Yeah, that's, that's what people said in quick chat. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. All right. All right. Any thoughts about the thumbnail stuff or we can move on? Which one of you guys got anything? 
It looked like she was building the Pisces. <laughs> building something, yeah. I, I, I'm amazed at the, 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 the tools that they, that they use, because it was like she was filling in certain things and, and, and all connected. I'm like, how does that work? Yeah, okay. well, she was just using Photoshop to uh, move things around and stuff. Who was that? Gifted Thrakazog. Thank you. Thank you Thrakazog, for gifting thank us. thank you. Oh, gave it the fast card. Yeah, like, like he really watches this show. I don't know why you give it to him. <laughs> okay. All right. No, thank you, Thrakazog. I'm, I'm a lurker. Yeah, you, you watch every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next piece here. Um, we're going to start talking about some of these, uh, this area we call the classics, uh, where we're going to review some of the uh, ships that we consider classic ships and talk about how much these ships have changed over time. Now, by the way, I am going to show some trailers and some videos from these ships. Those of you who've been around for a while, yeah, I know you've seen them. We've all seen them. But we have so many new people who've come into the Star Citizen universe. Uh, and community. Over 100,000. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to show some videos that maybe they haven't seen because these videos do go back away. So reminisce if you've seen it before. If you haven't seen it before, enjoy it. And we're going to elaborate on uh, these ships. So let's, the first one we're going to pick is a classic. One of my good friends, Melvilus. I'm not sure if he's watching, but if he is, I know he'll... He'll start crying tears when he sees this, so we'll show it, all right? A calm comes over the spectrum with a jaw. All it says is an amount of cargo, a delicate timetable, and a risky route. You know you've got 42 cubic meters to pack full of profit. We're talking pressurized, shock-resistant construction. So whatever you put in here comes out the same way. You got two Arc Duo 400 engines. Their award-winning colloid ion technology gives you maximum fuel efficiency while keeping your SIG low. across a couple of pirates. But with a weapon system featuring trusted names like Bering and Kronik, you aren't too worried. Commercial vessel, freelancer, glass. Rig tags look good. You're the one they come to when they need a job done right. Because you trust one ship. Misc Freelancer. Built for life. Lance from okay. Alien. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this. I'm going to come back to this video in just a hot second here. Um, let's talk about the <laughs> the earlier design of the Freelancer. Uh, Doc Murray, you remember this design here? Oh, yeah. yeah. I sure do. Yeah? I spent many hours running around this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, mentioned it, it. you mentioned it earlier about the notable way that you entered the ship, right? Yeah. That landing gear stairwell was so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Fast car, did you ever get in this one? 
this old freelancer? I, I, I think it was before my time. I mean, I had a freelancer in my desk, but mm-hmm. I, I remember getting it from the sides and from the back. From I don't remember si- getting it from, from my underneath like that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, I don't know if people heard me, but yeah, I, we believe that that it Lance Henriksen, the, the the voice of, of, of the of the commercial from from Alien, from or or Alien. or a Lance Henriksen sound alike because that's definitely oh, not. Henderson it's definitely yeah. not. It's definitely not. Uh, McCall, what's his name? Uh, for pipe for the pioneer sound like though you know so we don't know but it, we know that's what they were trying to resonate in our brain though for sure yeah this is uh definitely the one of, i think it's like maybe the second ver- for is this the first or second version of the freelancer doc do you remember this Kinda is the first, one, right? the first actually got put into the game version. okay got a hanger model the, yeah it's the first hanger model the okay. uh the original concept looked a little different okay yeah and when they when they made the second rev that we have now they kind of tried to go back to the original concept a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah 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 there's a debate in in, in twitch chat so we, we, we're not even sure <laughs> now you know one of the controversial things that i remember i'm going go back to the video that people talked about about this particular ship was the rotating engines right uh-huh. uh first and of all guns. first of all to see somebody pull that maneuver off would be amazing anyway but the rotating engines and the guns um and 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 by the way this is one of the reasons why when you buy a ship cig has this little clause that says that this is no guarantee that the ship is going to look like this <laughs> you get it yeah. so uh not, not not only look like this but act like this too yeah there's melvillus yeah. there he is he's over there with tissue right now right he's crying <laughs> he's crying and writing his petition his petition to cig y'all sign melvillus's petition he wants those rotating engines back he wants them back uh interestingly enough they put they put on you know vtols they're not the rotating like this because these suckers rotated 180 degrees which is pretty Uh elaborate um right but uh on the prospectors they do have vtols on that ship so it is interesting that they opted not yep but uh anyway that's the freelancer that's one of our classics i'll i'll let this play out just for melville so he can watch his engines rotate and watch his guns from the side um by the way, you'd have to make sure. Oh, no, they, they rotate. Yeah, they rotate 90 degrees down. That's crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. It's more like, like 110 degrees. 110 degrees. <laughs> yeah, I know. Melville says he needs a hug. Y'all give Melville a hug. Okay. Uh. The, 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 the next ship was another one that we had. It's a classic, and it was changed a lot, too. Uh, and that's the Cutlass Black. Let's uh, take a look at that one. Oh, yeah.
Griffin? Yes. Griffin, I didn't know we had character, female character models back in 2015. You, you know that was Sandy that did that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, uh, another big change visually. You know, this definitely is not the cutlass that we uh, have now. We'll come back to the video on this one. Doc, do you remember that? Those, those side engines <laughs> were so flimsy. And for the longest time, they just fired and rotated. Yeah, they were wonky. For no reason. Yeah, yeah. And so when you would fly in a straight line, if you looked outside, you'd see your thrusters just... <laughs> yes, they were very wonky. I... You know that that maneuver very unstable. Yeah, I I don't know. I first of all, this when it was in this state, it was never an attractive ship to me ever. I never yeah. liked it. Yeah, I, me too. I thought the idea of it was okay. I definitely when they talked about the cutlass red being the ambulance, I was like, oh, that would be so cool. But the ship is ugly. I I definitely didn't like it. Uh, Chris Smith, uh, several years ago, was one of the devs that worked on this, and it went from that to that. And, and I like this one. That I is like it better anyway. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. An improvement. Definitely an improvement. But we still we still had a fan in the cockpit. That's the one thing we're yeah, missing. Yeah, I know that, that that I know people people that said that they miss having that fan. Also, someone mentioned about the radio, the MP3 player that uh, she picks the tango music to play uh, mm. in here as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the. Uh, these are the things that we were sold on. I don't mean that in a negative way when I say it, but these were the things that were right. marketed uh, for us to get an idea of the ships in this game. So, okay. And I'll just yeah. say, I, I, I wish I could dodge missiles like that. Yeah. Oh, that that maneuver <laughs> is. I don't even want to talk about that maneuver. Okay. Back in back in two six three, you could you, you could, could feed people back their missiles. Yeah. And I used to do it all the time. Yeah, you could feed people torpedoes. back. But that flip that they do is that the flip, thing. That I'm no. like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, where she where she seamlessly dodges all the missiles. All of them. Every one of them. Yeah. All right. Of them. It's like she's in the Matrix draw. Yeah, that's a yeah. bit much. Bit much. All right, let's move on to our next one of the classics. We got three classics here for you. Our third one uh, is an O2, is the, Aurora? the ship that brought me in. This is the ship that, that got me hooked and many other folks. Let's take a look at it. If someone were to ask you, what is speed? What would you tell them? Is it simply a measure of distance covered over time? The magnitude of velocity? Or is it something more? At origin, speed is more than a number. It's a state of being. Speed is a shock to the soul. Speed is a call to action. Speed is... Introducing the 2943 300i from Origin Jumpworks.
Alrighty, alrighty. The infamous 300 series, 300i. Um, this was the ship that really I got excited about. Uh, my first ship before this, I think, was had an Aurora, then an Avenger, and then I want to say I got this and then an Andromeda. And this was the one that I really dug a lot. But it changed as well, Doc, right? This ship does not look like this. And there was a lot of controversy about this ship. You remember that? Oh, yeah. A lot of oh, people yeah. didn't necessarily like the new design language. They missed the Delta Wing. They, they, a lot of people a lot, liked a the people. hard lines and the Delta Wing look of it. They thought it felt much mm -hmm. more of a fighter. Oh, okay. And they didn't necessarily like I think it maybe it's grown on some people, but other people felt the other one was too streamlined, too smooth. Um, and so... Like, mm -hmm. I like the exterior of this version mm -hmm. and the interior of the, of the version that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a good middle ground. Mm -hmm. But... I, I'm okay with either way. Mm -hmm. Like the new one, the new one's more functional. Mm -hmm. It doesn't break as much. Yeah, yeah. And the, the and this and it one uses the interior. Yeah, this one's what was kind of cool. It had that that hatch on the top, uh, the docking collar yeah. on the top. But it was always like, okay, how the heck are going to use that? How do you climb up there? Uh, the other yeah. thing that sucked was the bed in this thing. Remember, it slid yeah, out from under. Yeah, you, yeah, it blocked your walkway to the seat. I don't know. Yeah. So we, we, we went from that to that. And I'm sure that if we took a poll right now, it'd be interesting to see what people... Maybe, can we take a poll real quick? I'd be really curious. Yeah, you can. I, people, I, I can't. You uh, can. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just trying to think of uh, whether or not I can do this very quickly. Uh, oh... And while you're doing that, I, I just want to say, I had to look it up because I was curious. That video was from July 1st, 2013. So yeah. that was before my time. So uh -huh. I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen the video before, but I was like, I wasn't there for, the, for when, when it first aired. So I don't remember anything yeah, about it. All right, all, right, all right, there's 40 seconds, well, 45 seconds left for that poll, guys. Put into the poll uh, uh, old if you liked it or new if you liked the new one. Old or new. And we'll see what you guys come up with within one minute, okay? Just put in old if you like the old design, new if you like the new design. Um, yeah, that's that. Let me go oh, back to the yeah. go back to that. Uh, that's remember they had the, the cushions in there, like the, the upholstery uh, and all that stuff. <laughs> it was pretty. The gull wing it, doors were still. Yeah, the gull wings. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And I the, the thirty foot ladder. Yeah. Like, the, the ship set up like ten meters. Yeah, it, it was, was high. Crazy. It oh. was. You, you could you could hurt yourself falling out of that thing. It was really crazy. Yeah. We got about five seconds left on that poll, gang. Old and new, whichever one you prefer. I know that was kind of popped on you guys. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was popped on him at the last second, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. It looks like 67% said new, and 33% of the people said old. Okay, thank you guys for, uh, for jumping in there on that. I know it was rather spontaneous, but we appreciate that. Very, very cool. All right. I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, you know, it's it does say something to the fact think, that the reworks, people do like the reworks when they come out. There's always going to be some people who prefer uh, the others. I also think there's a little bit of the uh, the younger crowd saying, not younger, not as an age, but mm -hmm. as the in newer. backers, mm -hmm. that, that haven't, didn't see the old one, so they're just like, well, mm. yeah. Like, yeah. like, to them, this doesn't look like a 300i, yeah. it kind of does. Mm. Or it might even just look old, you know, tech yeah, as far yeah. as design and old. stuff, it yeah. might just look yeah. old for them, yeah. Okay. All right, let's go on to our next one. Now, now we're going to go to, those are the classics. We're going to go into the recent ships that we want to talk about. Uh, here's a, a, a concept of, of a ship that we talked about Ooh. earlier. Uh, 
Yeah. Totally recognize that. Those of you in chat, I'm, some of you, we talked about it at the opening of this show, but uh, who remembers in chat? With, I won't let, who remembers what ship this is supposed to be in chat? Anybody remember what ship that's supposed to be? That's the concept, the original concept for. Let's see if they get it, Doc. Let's see if anybody saw it. That's right, uh, CC. Oh, yeah, Drakensog. Yeah. yeah, there you go. The, the mule. <laughs> <laughs> the mule. Yes, that is the Carrick. Yeah, that was the uh, early design of the Carrick. And uh, this is what they had, that they were working on, right? We didn't see this. This was the stuff that they uh, worked on internally. Um, but then was the Carrick always going to be Anvil? Or you don't yep. know? Yes, yes, it was always okay. Anvil. Uh, and then so it was designed by Gearmock. Yep. And uh, just like the Vanguard. And then they just kind of went wild in the concept phase and the mm -hmm. development phase of it and changed a lot. Yep. So I when we got it, by the time we saw the concept art for it and design, it, it went from that to that. And yep. that's the thing that people really fell in love with. That was the ship mm -hmm. that people said was going to be their enterprise or their whatever. Uh, you know, Firefly, Firefly, yeah, this was the thing that everybody was into. Now there were issues with this ship for those of you who weren't around when the carrot came out, because people felt that the new carrot had put on a little weight. Um, <laughs> Donkey, but Donkey. tell me, tell me, you got the Dotson picture though. Uh, I don't know. We did. Well, let, I, this is what I will tell you. Um, there were. Design. This this ship is a classic example of when we talk about metrics and stuff not being right. Okay, because a lot of people wondered why so much of this ship changed. Some I'm going to show you what some of the original shots look like of this ship. Okay, let me turn this one off and let me go here. This was what the interior of the Carrick. And forgive me again for not having these in. This is what it was looking like before. You know how you have the lower deck and the upper deck? Well, this staircase was virtually almost spiral. They, they had a spiral one yep. in here at one point, but the design was totally, totally different. And one of the things that they said was when they tried to make this ship laid out the way uh, it was originally, the carrot grew in size, but also there was just no way for them to fit everything in without the ship getting too big. So there were some things that they ended up just letting go of. Um, let me see if I can find one of these other crazier images. Okay, here's one. Okay. Oh, the upper deck. That's the upper deck. Um, there's the scanning thingy. This is the front deck. The cockpit was actually pretty cool. It's still cool now. Uh, but the cockpit that they had back then, the seats all like right now our seats just kind of turn and you sit in them but these used to turn and then move forward and hang out yep, over, the glass, over the glass which was a, yeah. which was an entirely different design uh than what we have now i'm going to see if i can find god there's so many pictures here i wish i had these suckers in order uh let's see is this it here uh that's kind of it yeah okay but this kind of gives you an idea of what the Carrick was supposed to look like. This is the internals for it. Uh, but like we said, it has definitely changed over time. Uh, I won't necessarily go in and show all the video because uh, where are we at time-wise? Oh, God, yeah, we're, we're pushing it on time. Um, but um, Jarrett did, uh, there's a video here that we've, we'll put the link in for you guys where Jared does a walkthrough of the Carrick and they talk about, there's some great details they talk about that some people miss out on 
Uh, so we'll put that link in for you guys to take a look at that. Um, let's go to our next ship. Let me close this out so we don't have to look at those ships. So one thing I will say about the character is that sure. I can see why it went from 350 to 600. So, yeah, yeah that, dramatically. Yeah, it, it grew in size, purpose. I don't think we even knew anything about a drone room on that ship back then. Uh, I knew there was a med bay. And I was like mid, mid concept when yeah, they were working on it. Yeah, I don't think we even knew about that in the beginning, in the early days. Okay, let's look at our next one. Uh, wow, that ship there. Um, a lot of variants. And a lot of times, as you guys know, when CIG starts working on an idea, they may do 15, 20, 25 images like this, and they slowly whittle it down. Chris looks at them and says, nah, this is close to, this isn't what I like. Maybe take a little bit of this ship, put it on that ship, blah, 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 blah. And eventually they continue to work their way down into concept. So now you're starting to recognize what that ship was probably, and that's the Ares. Um, and ultimately it went from all that madness there to what we kind of know and are familiar with here. Okay, let's take a quick look at how that turned out. In conjunction with Bering, we are currently crafting the most devastating Psi-7 mountable ship cannon ever devised. The SF-7, being prototyped in both ballistic and laser configurations, is specifically designed to incapacitate capital-class vessels. Of course, with a weapon so refined, the task at hand is to try and design an equally sophisticated ship to wield it. Even with this prototype, Crusader is up to the task. Alrighty, so that's the Ares, um, all familiar with it. I knew Bluesy, someone was gonna go in there about the nerf. So there we go, right? I knew we couldn't. I knew we you wouldn't get past you that. I knew we wouldn't get past that. Uh, and then last but not least, I wanted to pick this one out. This ship is unique because it's a ship that's been around for a long time. It's been around since 2015, but we're also starting to see the new design work and the way they work on ships. And because this is such a massive task, we're gonna take a look at this one. And it was the ship that we talked about earlier. Which is the band you mentioned? Around since 2014, is it? Four, 13. 13. 14, 13. Yeah. Right. 2013. That's right. 2013. That's right. 13. My mistake. Yeah. This and is one of those reward. one of those early, 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 early ships that was pre-metric. Um, and again, when I first saw this ship, I didn't know if it was coming or going because I saw like the light on the left side there that I thought was maybe a spotlight. I didn't know what it was. Oh, um, okay, because the light coming out the Yeah, there's the light yeah. coming out the side. Actually, it's the freaking side that that's coming out of. There's one in the back, the side, but the front is the right side of this ship. Uh, Remember, the ship is flying away from you. Are you sure? I think that that <laughs> ship is flying that away. I don't, here we go. We don't know where it's going. Anybody want to say which way that ship is going? I don't know which way it's going. It looks like an Eve ship. That's that in a way, Buckeye. Yeah, you might be right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look for the earlier concept one, where it's even it's even more ridiculous, where you can't even tell which which way is front and which yeah. way is back. Uh, yeah, that's a weird. Remember, it was weird only. Design. 
It was only 78 meters back then, too. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. It was a lot smaller. Yeah, a lot smaller. Yeah. So we went from that, and now we're going into this here, which is something that we've seen most recently The CIG has kind of settled in on. They showed us the different materials that they're using. We see the familiarity of the scroll work like we see in the Band of Defender, and we kind of see this is the direction that they're going with the ship. And this ship has grown. It has definitely, yep. definitely grown. So uh, just so you'll know, uh, big difference between, you know, this thing here and that thing there. Now, interestingly enough, fast card, there are plenty of people that say, I like the original better. Oh my Would you God. be one of those people? I'm curious because for some people, this looks way more alien, you know? It does look more alien. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't like it a lot better. I like, I like, I like, I like the one that we're getting, and I like the, I like this one. Okay. Um, I, I am, I am okay with, with, with either one. So I don't have strong feelings either way. Okay. Maybe I'm in the minority. All right. Let's take a quick look at this video. This is a very cool video that we found that's uh, been put together. Uh, no, this is the CIG video, uh, showing the growth and development of the ship. <clears throat> and we can definitely see the size differences. This is when it was 123 meters. Mm -hmm. Now, this is again, another one of those ships to me, Doc, that a lot of work is going into this, right? This isn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of work is going into this one. Those big 32 SCU cargo boxes at the bottom down there. Yep. In the cargo area. Now this artwork goes way beyond the early concept stuff we saw, right, Doc? Because back in the day we had like maybe the conference room and the and the bazaar area, yeah. but that was it, right? Yeah, the conference room, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the negotiation room? Yeah. Negotiation, yeah. Negotiation room, yeah. There it is, much more elaborate. And there's always supposed to be some kind of um, uh, symbiosis between this ship and, and, and Defender, but they didn't know what. Mm -hmm. But now, but now they're, they're going to make it so that the Defender spits inside the, the merchantman. That's probably had to be why it grew. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not gonna ask you to, to put it up, Griffin, but I, 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 did, I did put in Twitch chat the, the picture that I was talking about where you can't tell which, which way is the front and which way is the back. Oh, you could tell on that. You, you couldn't Ow. tell on that? No. Yeah, oh, that's the FC. one that on. the front is to the left, the stage left. Right, um, it's on the left, yeah. The developers couldn't but, tell. Oh, I didn't the, know the that. I never end, heard that. They couldn't tell. Okay. The bulbous end was the front, which is how it should have stayed, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm one voice in the sea of many. <laughs> and, that, and I think that, that when I posted, it's like the early, early, early version, because you can see the date, January 17, 2013. So we're seeing a lot of gray box work here, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Oh, I love this spinning engine thing. I don't, I, I'm not sure what that is, but I, I do like it.
Yeah, Dabby, it does, it does feel a bit of organic. Like the, um, the Moria from, um... That Firefly, um... Another sci-fi ship. Another sci-fi, um... Yeah. Yo. Peacekeeper. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull this music Fire down escape. while okay. we're talking about this. Um... Again, uh, we know that this ship is in production right now, and CIG, uh, if you guys go back and look at the timeline <clears throat> for the work that's being done on the tracker, um, uh, this has been in development for a little while now, and it extends through December. Whether it'll go beyond that, we don't know, but because uh, we just see it till the end of the year. Well, but uh, We do know that it'll go beyond that, because... Yeah. It's, like it, that's when its current phase of scheduled work is supposed to be finished, but mm -hmm. then it has downstream teams it needs to go to. Mm -hmm. So the most optimistic bet to seeing the ship is next year's Alien Week. Mm. Uh, okay. There's like a landing gear. Again, a lot of work going into this. Uh, all I these know. animations <laughs> and I mean that's just the landing gear, but I can't imagine all the stuff inside of this ship and a whole lot of other things that go along with it. So yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. That's a big ship. By the way, y'all, yeah. I've, been, I've been running a bet that Fastcart will not fly this ship because he does not like big ships. So he may have to hire somebody. So if any of you all want to be hired by Fastcart to be his personal driver, reach no, out to you, him. No, you wanted to bet me, you wanted to say I was going to melt this ship. I, no, and no, I said you ain't going to fly it either. I said both of them. I'm saying both. You said I was going to melt we'll it. I'm see. like, no. Okay, it'll be in the museum then, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens when it's all said and done. Calix, thank you so much for the resub. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to see you. Okay, anyway, we're going to go ahead and head on back out of here. Uh, a lot of good stuff there that we saw regarding these different ships. Um, we do have a, some Q&A. Uh, yeah, we're gonna, that's why I want to hit those. Uh, a lot of good stuff that we talked about with each of these ships. So we're going to jump in here. Black Manx, good evening to you as well. Good to see you. Saw you here at the very beginning of the show. Thanks for stopping in. Uh, Pops. In space, ask the question, how do you feel lighting has affected the way a ship looks inside and out? Um, I'll go to Doc Murray first, and I, I do have a comment about that. I, I mean, it's radically changed. Yeah. Like, the lighting that we see in-game is supposed to be one source lighting. Mm -hmm. So most of it's coming oh. from the star. So, like, when you're in space. But when you're in planetary areas, then you, like... If you land in a hangar on a planet, you see your ship looks different than it does when you're in space mm -hmm. because the lighting affects how much we see and the detail that the way that it reflects off our eyes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the lighting has changed a lot yeah. and it'll continue to change a lot. And they talked about yeah, the, 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 the lighting that we had in 2015 is different from the lighting that we have now in 2022. So they, they, they've improved their technology, they improved their talent look, and yeah, it's it, it definitely better now than what it used to be. Yeah, I talked about internally too, they have their own little internal battles about what's too much light, what's too little light. Uh, when there's too little light, uh, the people who like too little light, they love the way light reflects and bounces and does all these cool things. And, but then the people who want more light say, yeah, but you can't see our great work and then things get washed out. There's this kind of back and forth to trying to find the right balance. But I think most of us would agree that the most recent lighting passes that they've done in the game have made the game look even better. I'm always amazed. You know, the game looks good. Then they go back and do some lighting pass. It's like you come in and especially if you haven't been in an area in a while and you're like, 
wow, they did something here. And you realize they've done a lighting pass. I even noticed, Doc, I was on the tram in R-Corp, you know, that goes to the spaceport. Mm -hmm. And now it's got like this like spotlighted lighting inside of it. Now, instead of it just being completely mm -hmm. illuminated inside, which is very, very cool. So just little simple things like that uh, make a big difference in the way the game feels. Sometimes it feel like it make you feel like you bought a new video card. <laughs> like yeah. the difference that you can see. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thrakazog says, can you believe so much effort was put into making that Drake ship, the Buccaneer? <laughs> Buccaneer. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, don't let the ships fool you, right? I mean, you know, some of the ships obviously look more elaborate than the others, but I'm sure probably the tremendous amount of love is put into a ship, especially if they're the same size. Um, you know, we can't let the, you know, the way the ships look fool us. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into them, especially the mechanics. When they talked about animating every piece of item, he talked about the shading on every animated item. And some of these ships have dozens and dozens of animated features and things that move around. It's pretty amazing to me. Thanks, Drakazog. Um, and then Thanks, Drakazog. Big... I, 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 I think Wamma got went, 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 went into a T-pose. Oh, he, he, he went to get frozen, huh? What the heck happened to Wamma? Yeah, he went into T-pose. Yeah, he freaked out or something. I don't know what happened to him. I, I, I don't know. He, he got frozen. He went per paralysis. Uh, last question is from Big Black Gaming. He says, once a ship reaches gold standard, should it ever ev evolve again? And I think we can tell yeah. you yes. Yes. Yeah, it certainly will. Yeah. Uh, Doc Murray, could you, I'm going to try and get Wammer off screen. Could you talk about a little bit about what gold standard is so everybody has an under, because we keep using that term, but maybe everybody right. doesn't know what it means. So right now, what gold standard means is all the animations work, all the components are in the ship, and you can access the components. Some components are still not in the game, so they won't even be in for gold standard. So we know that they're going to have to change again because life support and radar and scanners aren't comp physicalized components yet. They're just empty voids on the ships that have the component base for them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, we're, we're gonna see more changes. Mm -hmm. But if you look at like the Gladius, when it went through its gold standard pass, it did oh. not change very much. Yeah. Like yep. it, it stayed pretty much looking like a Gladius. Mm -hmm. So the Gladius is the hero ship for Squadron 42 though. So it's, it's always gonna be the most up-to-date mm -hmm. and advanced ship that we have. So it, it makes sense that it's only like it's slowly evolved. It's changed a lot from the beginning. But if you mm -hmm. if you follow the project the whole time, you're slow to notice how much has changed unless you go back and look at the beginning. And you're like, oh crap! Yeah. But it's just it's been a slow, constant change for the Gladius. Yeah. So I think once we get gold standard for all, we have 187 ships now, and I think three of them, four of them are gold standard. Mm -hmm. So 183 ships to go. Yeah. Once those are all brought up to standard, which I doubt will be done before the standard changes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of so many ships and how long it takes them to bring them up to standard. So unless they get much faster at that, it's going to change again. And some ships will have to be missed and brought up to the next standard. And gold standard is not like, it doesn't mean like in software where you go gold, that means you're ready to ship. Right. That's wow. not what it, it means. Mean it just means it, mm -hmm. it's just the standard that they have right now for the most complete ships that they have mm -hmm. is this is where they want them. And a lot oh, yeah. of this is coming from, as Doc Murray said, because of the physicalized and the component dynamics that they're adding. Because some ships have areas for components that aren't even in game yet, like scanners, for example, right. or computer CPUs. Uh, you know, there are spaces for them, but you don't see any uh, a drone. Fake, well, yeah, I'm trying to think of what they call it. There's no, uh, there's no, um, there's no fake component mm -hmm. in there. You know, before we right. had these fake yeah. components, and there's some that's just an empty space. 
So I think that the Scorpius, for example, now has a, there's something new on it. It's not life support. There's some unit right in the middle, dead center that other computers don't have. It's either a CPU or something, but there, it's, oh, it's the blank. Computer? It's blank, yeah, but it's blank, yeah. And they oh, don't have those yet right. as components that we can buy, but they do have a yes. physicalized piece in the Scorpius for that. So we're gonna be seeing more stuff coming beyond what we have. Placeholder, thank you, I, CC, thank you. Oh, okay. I don't know if they're okay. still, I don't know if they're still doing batteries or not. For a little while, they said yeah, they were going to do batteries. They were going to do I batteries. Heard anything about it in a while. Yeah, because the 400i's got a battery was... compartment in the back in the cargo area. Yeah. Right. So does the uh, the Ares. The Ion has more batteries than the Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. The poster. Exactly. So exactly. Those components aren't in. Like, there are no batteries yep. that yep. you can find so far. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, those are our questions that we had for today. Uh, thank you guys for the questions and everything. Uh, real quick, let's uh, wrap up some things here. Uh, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Fast Card mentioned it yesterday. We did our very first Soul Citizen sponsored. It was that that's what was first about it, but it wasn't the first Bar Citizen that we've had in Chicago. But we did have one here in Chicago on yesterday. And as I mentioned earlier, I was, was totally not prepared to drop this image in, so I'm going to do it now. Uh, but yesterday we met at uh, Goose Island Brewery here in Chicago. And a group of us, I'm going to put this picture up. Hopefully it pops up. There it is. There's a picture of the team. I don't have my buddies on screen here, but there you go. You can see who showed up yesterday. Uh, we had a really great time yesterday. First time out in three years uh, in Chicago. And everybody in that group is like, we got to do this again. When are we going to do it again? And so we uh. are looking forward to doing another one. Uh, I know we're going to do one prior to Stars uh, CitizenCon. We'll probably do one in October, but hopefully we'll squeeze one in maybe in July or August, something like that. But we had a real great time. Uh, Maiden Ariana came, who's up there. The person that surprised us the most was Geo Get Money, who popped yeah. up out of nowhere and walked in the door and we all fell out. We couldn't believe he was there. Uh, <laughs> Dark Knight is there. Uh, uh, Vex is there. Brian is there. Uh, also, Dark Knight and uh, our... Ops Chief, our moderator right there next to Dark Knight. So we had a great time. And Ross in the back back there who came in from uh, Forest Park. So we had this really, really great group of folks that came and hung out with us last night. And we definitely had a good time. So we're uh, looking you, forward to doing it again. Did you run into, did you run into, into any trouble for having too many people of color in one place? No, of course not. Where do we think, where <laughs> we, think we live at? In Chicago? No, there's no problem. Chicago, Chicago. I doubt Yeah, I was going <laughs> to Yeah, right. But we had, a, we had a real good time yesterday. We had a real good time. Um, there's a there's a lot of people of color in Dallas. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. No, definitely. For Texas now, oh, my God. Okay, um, that's that on that. The other thing that we want to tell you guys about that we always mention, and Fast Card, I never show this because I always forget. We always have merchandise that you guys can check out if you'd like to. Uh, check out our merchandise when you get some time if you'd like to do it. Now you don't have to have Fast Card explain. I know it's been sitting here for about two, three months, and I keep forgetting to push the button. All right. Anyway, <laughs> if you guys want to get any of our merchandise, feel free to uh, to check out the merchandise and stuff that we have. Okay. And uh, let's see. Yeah, let's go on for next week. What we got going on? Fast Card, why don't you tell them what we got coming up? On Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, Friday, 1 a.m. Uh, UTC, we have our Soul Talk uh, show. That's on YouTube.com slash Soul Citizen for the ass. We talk about what's going on in, in the community that week. Normally, we cover S, uh, Star Citizen Live, cover ISC, and what have you. Mm -hmm. 
And on Saturdays at 3 p.m., we have Soul Voices, which is our community show where you get to come in one-on-one -on -one and talk with us about whatever we're talking about, which is usually something from Spectrum or Reddit or the gaming industry. And we have a lot of fun with that. And then next week on Sunday, we have a special guest coming in again. We had a special guest today. We have a special guest next week, which is going to be uh, Star Jump Grimm. And he's going to be showing off some of the new Star Jump Fleet Viewer that you guys have been hearing about. You guys know they do such fabulous graphics work, uh, VFX work with the uh, Star Citizen ships. And he's going to be coming on to talk to us about the Fleet Viewer. And we're going to talk about the importance of it. Plus, there's a lot more to the Fleet Viewer than just like putting your ships in and making a picture. They've got a huge amount of stuff that this thing is going to deliver that Starlin has been working on and his whole team. So we hope you guys, show. yeah, hope you guys can join us on next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern time for that show. Uh, yeah, that's what's coming up. So we want to say thank you to our special guest, the man himself, the doctor, Dr. Murray. Doc, tell people where people can find you, see you, give a pitch for Yacht Club, all that stuff. Uh, so you can see me every Wednesday on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Yacht Club BC. We, from... I forget what the Eastern time. It's 10 to midnight Eastern, 2200 to, to 000. And Pacific time, it's 1900 to 2100. And bring your drinks so, with you when you come because they do a lot of drinks. drinking over there. Yep. 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 Thanks, And Doc. then mm -hmm. otherwise, you can find me in the verse most days. Yeah. If you've added me to your friends list, it's Dr. Underscore Murray. I have a huge friends list already, so <laughs> more people won't bother me. <laughs> when the friends list works, right? <laughs> when we can get when it, it works, working. yeah. When we can get it working. Okay. Uh, let's see. I don't know who we're going to. Is that who we're going to, Cap? Uh, yeah, I guess that is who we're going to. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was wondering because I'm like, who are we going to? All right. We're going to set up for our raid today. And Admiral Kusanagi is sending us to pirate ghost dj pirate ghost dj so when you guys get over with pyro skills pirate ghost give a shout let them know you came from soul citizens if you like what you see follow and of course we appreciate all of you who are here tonight with us and hanging out with us look forward to seeing you guys during the week don't forget to check us out on youtube if you want to uh see some of the older shows and don't forget to check out our merchandise and as always we will tell you guys take care of yourself stay safe peace love and soul We'll see you real soon. Take care. Bye.